if we're not able to control our emotion as a negotiator, we have a hard time to think, right? Because when we are emotional, we're making bad decisions. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 362. Today, we're talking about communicating and negotiating mindfully with Gaetan Pellerin. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Listen, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you've gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a big favor and go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps the podcast grow more. It takes 10 seconds and it really makes a huge difference. I would greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I am going to be talking to Gaetan Pellerin, who has been motivated to understand what is driving each of us, emotions, fears, desires, this passion combined with his development, lead Gaetan to write the book, Mindful Negotiation with the Ego in the Negotiation. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Gaetan and I talk about how the tools used in negotiating are more than relevant while raising our kids. We talk about the role of the ego, which is that sense of self that's protecting us and why parenting can be so challenging and how powerful mindfulness is when identifying the wants and the needs of our kids. I want you to listen for some important takeaways, how difficult negotiation is when our emotions are involved, how mindful negotiating should really be creating value for both sides, and that idea of when we are emotional, we can't really be present. So lots of interesting ideas here. So, all right, let's dive in. Join me at the table as I talk to Gaetan Pellerin. So I'm... So interested in talking about the idea of negotiation uh, when it comes to parenting, because as parents, you know, we come from there's a, like a long tradition in the the United States anyway of like you do as I say because I say it, and that's the way it is. Yet things are really changing now. Um, things are, you know, parents are realizing like that's actually can be ineffective that you know, it leads to a lot of maybe sneaking and lying mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yes. unpleasant things that we don't want. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I imagine that when I talk about the idea of negotiation, when it comes to the idea of parenting, it still can bring up some prickly feelings with a lot of listeners. Is this something that like that you had to, uh, think about, um, in your own parenting, kind of bringing this work that you do with negotiation, did you bring it, did you have to like kind of wrestle with this idea of a prickliness around it when it comes to parenting? Uh, That's a great question. My kids are a bit older and I wish I would have done that work when they were younger um, because I was pretty much like you were saying earlier. I was like, do this, do that, I'm the parent and that's it. 
Um, however, um, you know, and when we say negotiating as parenting and stuff like negotiating time to go to bed, it's like, all right, so they have a chance to win. I have a chance to win. No, it's more like we are teaching our kids the best way we feel it's the best way for them. But sometimes we use the past that fuels emotions, right? We're impatient or, for example, my, my, my mom will give ice cream to my kids when they were young, just before dinner. I'm like, no, not before dinner. But <laughs> that doesn't really matter at the end of the day, right? But it was how I was brought up. No, you cannot have your dessert before you finish your food. So I was teaching my kids the way I was brought up. And there's a lot of ego in that perspective. You know, uh, ego, it's our... Uh, instinctual reactive structure. So every time we snap, every time, you know, we something is going very fast as a parent, it's because ego is taking over. And mindfulness and ego are pretty much op- opposed from a, a reaction or, you know, timing to react perspective. Most of parents will just react on the, on the fly, right? Something happens, it's like, okay, do this. Oh, don't do that. Oh, why are you doing this? So that's the, this is the challenge with, with parenting. And I hope when I was a younger dad, I could have brought mindfulness to my parenting because I'm sure it would have changed my, the way I brought up my kids. So you're basically describing ego as that sort of autopilot place Mm -hmm. that we get into where we're not thinking where, you know, it's that sense of a protective self, right? Uh, you know, keeping it, protecting us, keeping us from threat. And that's that autopilot reactive place. And, and yes, I mean, as we talk about a lot in here, like mindfulness is like this sort of like key for helping us step, step away from that. How did you, how did you, you work in teaching people how to negotiate? How did you, um, what, well, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the ways that we, why are we bad at You talk about how you have a chapter that I love titled that you, I love called everybody sucks at negotiation. Yeah. So can you explain to us like why we're so bad at this? Yeah. Um, first of all, I was arguing with my editor to use that word or not, but the purpose of that title was to generate a reaction. Mm-hmm. So from the outside looking in negotiation seems to be very easy. Right. We're it's the same as when we observe somebody else on the street. Oh, we'll never do this or we'll do that. Very easy when we're not involved. But you can be really prepared. You can be skilled. And all of a sudden, the negotiation doesn't go as planned. And now we're not feeling in control. And now we're emotional. We're afraid to lose a deal. We don't know what to do next. Somebody's threatening us. So negotiation, it's really difficult. And most people think they are better than they are in reality because they don't have an appreciation about when we negotiate with somebody, we're emotional. Mm -hmm. And if we are emotional and the other person is emotional, that's two people getting emotional together. Even if we try to plan and forecast and rationalize, it's not enough. And if we're not able to control our emotion as a negotiator, we have a hard time to think, right? Because when we are emotional, we're making bad decisions. If you think about people getting through divorce, 
it's nasty and people do things just to hurt the other person. It's not rational. And parenting for me, it's exactly the same thing. It's all about emotions, right? We're triggered. Our kids are doing something. We're triggered because we were triggered when we were young, right? So the way we are as a parent, it's a good testimony of how it was in our family, in our household, up to three years old. So we're emotional. We're, we're emotional, period. When we negotiate, our survival instinct kicks in. We just want to be right. We want to persuade. We want to be the person who has the right point of view. And I believe when we are parenting our kids, we're coming from a similar angle. We want to be right. We want to do, you know, because we're the parent. But sometimes it's emotion talking. It's not the true person. You said, I want to pick up on something you said up to three years old. Why do you say up to three years old exactly? Because ego is developed before three years of age, right? Mm. So how we were with mom, how we were with dad, how was it? Did we have any siblings? Did we have to fight to be be seen, to be heard? Mm -hmm. That structure of ego, according to psychologists, it's done almost complete by the age of three. There, there's some exception, obviously, but everything before that is building up, designing the personality of who we are today. It's almost like we wear a mask on our face, on our heart, and that mask is becoming part of us. And the, the challenge with that is ego, if you, um, if you understand a bit of science, Hunter, ego is coming from the deepest, oldest part of the brain called reptilian brain. That part of the brain never evolves. So it's quick reacting because it's all about survival. When we're focusing on mindfulness, it's our frontal lobe that it's acting. And it's a slow, re- it's a slow structure, looking mm-hmm. at events, not judging, not going in the past. And that's why mediation works so well in negotiation, because if you have a good mediator, they say, I hear you, but now let's find a way to close that gap together. That's what yeah, mindfulness. Time. Yeah, times and you are angry. That's okay. But what else is there other than? And in negotiation, we never do that, right? We don't have the time. The other side is asking unrealistic demand. We just got triggered. Uh, people sometimes want to create a win-win that badly that they are willing to give everything away. And parenting is no different. I, you know, I saw parents that. They give everything the kids is asking for or very tough parents that are never giving a chance to the kid. Either way, it's a little bit extreme and it's it's all about, you know, managing emotion or being managed by emotion. So when we're we're in this reactive place, the emotions are running the show. What should be the goal of our negotiation then? If like we know that we suck at it, we know we're doing it from, you know, the uh, amygdala, the reactive brain, the nervous system, emotional, you know, safety system, um, then, then and we want to shift towards a, a slower, more mindful, more aware approach using the whole brain. What should be, what should be our goals if it's not to win, if it's not to, to be the one who's right? <laughs> I'm going to share something with you. I will surprise you. The goal of a negotiation is to create value for both sides. 
And mm -hmm. I understand we're not talking about politics or negotiation between countries or blackmailing, you know, I, no. If I want to be a good negotiator, I, and I'm involved in a long-term relationship, right? So if I buy a car, I can be whatever I want to be. But if I'm in, in sales or I'm procurement, and I'm going to negotiate with the same people for a long period of time, the real objective of a negotiation, a negotiation, it's a conflict, right? It's a different of opinion. I want a better deal. I want a better price. That's it. We don't have to go to war. And for our ego negotiation, it feels like a threat. So mm -hmm. we're coming back with our baggage, our emotional reactivity, and we're just not looking forward that. Mindfulness negotiation is really to set the intent of creating value for both sides. And it starts at the preparation, right? A lot of people prepare, but spend zero minutes thinking about the other side. What do they want? What do they wish to avoid? You know, what's their objective? What's their priorities? What keeps them awake at night? And it's really about changing the mindset to create. I don't like the win-win situation because people think it's, you know, half and half, but mm -hmm. delivering value for both sides. This is interesting because the way I talk about this in mindful parenting is I do talk about win-win um, conflict resolution and we have uh, teachings, on, uh, lessons on that. But the idea is that really that both parties get their needs met, mm -hmm. you know, like what are the underlying needs? Both yes. parties should be able to get their needs met. You know, we don't we don't have to just stop at solution number one, right? Like there are many, many different solutions to getting our underlying needs met. Yeah. Um, and what you're talking about is creating value for both sides. I think that's brilliant, right? Like, and that and parents, of course, need to think about this. And you, you know, the idea of creating value for both sides is so helpful to think about, like with parenting, because you know, we want to go into, you're saying, think about the other side, what do they need? And there's a couple of instances that brought to mind. And one is, you know, just in general, thinking about parenting that we have to think about our kids, like, what are they needing in this situation? What, what are the, what needs need to be met for them? And for me recently, I recently was approached by the publisher of uh, Raising Good Humans and they wanted another book. And so I, I submitted a book proposal and we negotiated on the like advance and the percentages and things like that. And, and you're right. Like there's all this emotional reactivity that comes up, you know, for me, it was like, like they offered me X and, you know, and I'm going to go back and say, I want more than that, you know, mm -hmm. and it was hard to do that and scary, you know, it was like very, it's so interesting, like how much emotion came up, but it was just a simple email. It was so interesting to see yeah. how emotional that was, but, but uh, I love this idea, create value for both sides. Uh, and, you know, thinking about, thinking about the other side is really thinking about like, what are they, what do they need? Right. What, what, what can we, how can, yeah, I mean, you don't like the word win-win, but how can we create a win for both sides, at least some sort of win? Yeah, well, in, in reality, we, we need to slow down because yeah. the example you were just providing, right, you didn't get the advance you wanted. It's not about the money. It's about this, your value, right, your yeah. self-worth. It's like, I'm worth, I worth more than that. And <clears throat> in negotiation or parenting, it's the same thing. We go in with our own perspective. And in negotiation, we present data and we're shocked when the other side doesn't see the same 
perspective as we see, right? Kids don't see, don't have our experience, they don't see the world as we see it. That doesn't mean that their, their needs or their perspective cannot teach us anything, right? So we really need to slow down. We need to be aware that we're going to be emotional when we parent. We need to be aware that we're going to be emotional when we negotiate. That's the first step. And if we are aware of it, now we can plan the conversation differently, right? And negotiation, one of the things that it's important is the difference between what they want and what they need, right? Mm -hmm. So the kid wants something sugary, right? Dessert or something like that. But what's, what's the, the real need behind it? Do they want to be rewarded? Do they want to be um, um, feel good? You know, yeah, there's pleasure. other things. Yeah. And that's the toughest part in negotiation because we're very good to figure out what the other party wants. But we never do the testing. We never. And then we ask questions. We don't even listen to the answer. Right. Um, I'm asking you a question and I'm already in my head. I'm not even listening to your question. I'm planning my next phrase. So that means I'm not present. I'm missing some information. <clears throat> and, you know, kids, they want to be independent, right? They want to expand their world. They want to explore, but they want to come back with us to us and be loved and be accepted for who they are, right? Mm -hmm. And as parents, sometimes it's challenging because the kids are taking their own boundaries. They want to take control of their own life according to their age. Autonomy. <laughs> Autonomy, right, exactly. And for us, we want to protect our kid. But everything we're doing our kid, it's, it's fueled from that emotional perspective, you know, reacting, emotional, we want to be right. And... It's, it's challenging because negotiation and parenting are very, very emotional. And, and we have to don't... be clear-headed is kind of what I'm hearing, right? It's like this, there's all these emotions involved, you know, and as we know, and, and we really, really want to be able to be clear-headed. We want to have awareness. We want to be able to think clearly. Yes. And the challenge is maybe not that much. Well, maybe yes, during the pandemic, it's the work, it's the kid, it's the, you know, the daycare, the homework, the, the you know, stay at home school. There's a lot of challenges that fuel emotion, right? People are tired of, of COVID. People are worried. People are stressed. And that increased the level of stress, even if we're not seeing it. Right. So kids are coming on top of everything else in life. And that's not their fault. Obviously, they're there, but we're living in a space where there's a lot of emotion. Right. You read the news, it's like the vaccine this or against that or in favor of that. There's a lot of emotional that it's fueling our nervous system. So do and, you recommend, sorry to interrupt, no. do you recommend like, uh, you know, reducing exposure to like all the the news, like, uh, um, you know, looking at our own, the stressors in our own life. I mean, because that's true. Like all of those stressors, they add to the nervous system load. And if your nervous system is like, you know, at, you know, at your 
at here, I'm like holding my hand up to my nose, folks are listening. And, and, you know, it doesn't take much to like have it go over, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. to, to not then be able to think with your whole brain. So are you recommending that, you know, sort of simplifying as best we can reducing those inputs? It's, it's hard, it's hard to insert Hunter because everybody's different, right? So people watch videos on YouTube for what? because they need a brain dump, they need a break. But is that fueling their, their, their um, recharging their batteries or is just fueling their awareness that there is emotion around the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have a right answer for that. Everybody has to choose what feels correct for them. But a lot of people are doing things just to numb themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to watch whatever, right? The video of cats dancing. I have no interest into that. But people that do this, there's, a, there's an objective behind it, right? It's maybe to release attention. Or they read the news or reality TV. It's, uh, you know, how many millions people are watching reality TV because it's fun. We're watching other people's drama. But if we're not aware of our own state or emotional state, it's fun to see other people's emotions. But it, it could be, it could be adding, like, so you're saying, dear listener, like, it, it'll pay attention. Is this adding to your stress? Is this actually, you know, really relaxing you and, and making you feel more at ease? Or is it doing just the opposite? I mean, that's the same could be said for our like to-do list, honestly. You know, yeah. a lot of parents, a lot of moms, get busy, right? They do all the different things. They do, 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 do. There's, we're never going to run out of stuff to do. It's never all going to be done. Sadly, much to my husband's dismay, like he's never going to tidy the house and it's going to stay exactly the way it is. He thinks he wants to start a religion against entropy, which is so hilarious. But anyway, you know, it's like that, but that doing, it could also be like, it could be something that is relieving your stress, or it could be something that you're numbing and you're just pushing it, kicking the can down the road, right? So we have to pay attention to these things. And what you just said, Hunter, it's all about using mindfulness to understand what's going on. Why am I doing this? What's my need underneath that action? You know, what's the need underneath the to-do list, right? There's a sense of being in control. And being in control, there's a sense of accomplishing something, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. But is it healthy for me? Who said to do this? Where is that coming from? Mom said to tidy your room before you come down for breakfast. Yes. Is that a big deal if my bed is not done? It is. It could be. Yeah, because it is what it is. But actually, mindfulness is useful every time we react to somebody else or an event is that helping me is it not helping me am i why am i snapping at my kid because they they're not listening to me there's something deeper than that there's a trigger and maybe that has nothing to do with the kid it has to do with how it was when we were we were a kid so the way you describe it uh, hunter it's exactly using mindfulness to understand Am I trying to numb myself? If yes, why? Why is that? Mm. Maybe it's too painful. Maybe 
well, whatever the reason, right? And parenting, it's the same thing. Why am I so strict? Or why am I giving them rules? Or why I'm not open to their point of view, especially when they're getting 10, 11, 12, they have a view on the world that we don't have. But we feel threatened when our kids bring a different perspective. It's like a reflex, right? And they have their own perspective. They have a limited amount of knowledge. They have a limited amount of maturity, but they have a perspective for an eight-year-old, for a 12-year-old, for a 15-year-old, right? That doesn't mean that if they have a right approach that we're wrong, no. But now we can talk to each other, Hunter, because we're not emotional about it. But when we are on the topic, it's challenging. So step one I'm hearing from you, Gaetan, is slow down. Yes. Right. Build that capacity for awareness, mm-hmm. reduce the stress, slow down, build the capacity for awareness, try to be understanding what's going on. Ask, ask yourself the questions about why, <laughs> et cetera. So maybe that's, this is all the work we're doing kind of before we go into the tricky conversation about cell phones or whatever it is, right. Yeah. With that might be a negotiation with our kids. I mean, when my you know, when my daughter, my second daughter turns 13, she's expecting that she's going to get a cell phone because her sister did at 13. But like, this is going to be a negotiation because I want to know what are her needs and she needs to know what our needs are. And we need to talk about all those issues. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The first, the, the first two action you just named, this is my methodology. I came up for the C for you in my book. Mm-hmm. The first C is just to connect with yourself. So just mm-hmm. take a breath. Just shut down the external noise. Just, just focus. Focus on what's happening inside of us. And most of us who don't do a good reading of what's happening in our body, tension, feeling, emotion, but this is where it's almost the starting point. You know, what yeah. we feel in our body, it's almost telling us our state of mind, my jaw is tightening, my breathing is shallow. It gives me, it's a source of information, right? Mm-hmm. And the second step, like you said, is asking, why am I triggered? Why am I doing that? What's the purpose behind it? What am I trying to accomplish, right? If I teach my, my kids to do something, what's my purpose behind it? Do I want to be right? Do I want to be the person with authority that, I don't want any pushback on me. Well, why not? What pushback means to you? And as we peel the onion, as we say, we connect with some deeper element. And only when we reach that level of understanding, we change, we can change our behavior. Because the purpose of being mindful is to understand why am I reacting the way I react today? And is there another way for me to react? And what Gaetan's describing here is can be like, it can be mindfulness as a daily practice, right? Where we start to, we sit still and we pay attention to our, our breath. And then our mind gets pulled in a million different directions. We pull it back, but it also can be awareness built in other ways. Like it could be awareness built. Um, and, and I firmly believe as you, you know, dear listeners, you've been around for a while. I'm a firm advocate of a daily mindfulness practice, but it also can be maybe 
uh, a journaling, right? What mm-hmm. asking these questions to yourself, seeing what's come up or a conversation with a therapist or a good friend, right? To start to understand and have some clarity shed on what's happening, make those um, un- uh, unseen things, make bring them to the surface so you can actually know what you're dealing with rather than just the surface level reactivity. Yes, yeah, you're totally right with that. Uh, I just want to give you an example. When I was a kid, I could never talk back to mom. Anger was never welcome in my household. So I learned to fear my own anger. Why? Because I was afraid to act upon anger, right? And up to a point where I was working with an executive coach and she says, you are an angry person. I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) And she was like, you are just the way you talk, the way you have a hard time to express yourself. You have a lot of anger. And she said, what if, if anger was a sign of information for you, a sign that there's something missing, you're not getting what you want. Mm-hmm. And that was a big moment for me because I never saw anger as a friend because I was so afraid of it, right? Yeah. But now she introduced me the same concept from a totally different uh, mindfulness perspective, what can you learn from anger? And it's okay to be angry. doesn't mean I'm going to act upon it, but it's okay to be angry. And that was very, very freeing for me because I understood that when I was a kid, being angry means meant for me that I didn't, I was not seen, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't express myself. And I transported that, belief because a lot of what we do today it's based on belief and as a parent sometimes I was angry at my kid and I didn't understand and I was blaming them how they do this to me no the kids are not doing anything it's our own baggage so that's the the power of mindfulness and as you said earlier Hunter working with somebody a coach a group friends that you trust it's really helpful because sometimes they can see things in us that we have a hard time to see in ourselves. Now, what if the one we're negotiating with, like our child, whatever age they may be, what if we can see some of the roots or some of the causes or some of the needs in them that they may be in denial about? Like what happens when that happens in a negotiation? Well, um, People don't want to disclose their cards because there's a Mm -hmm. sense of being vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm vulnerable, I don't have a lot of power. So there's there's a lot of links. But the negotiation for me, I want to ask questions. So what's your objective, uh, Hunter, today? What's your priority? Um, And if you give me general answer, I can go deeper and say, how can I help you look good? Is there a Mm -hmm. way I can promote you? Is there a way... Or are you afraid to lose face? And when people are in denial, it's an emotion. Mm. And if I'm very comfortable in my skin, I can say, probably not to a kid, but to a negotiator, sounds like you're upset with me. Why is that? I think we could say that to a kid, though. I'm not sure I could say, why is that? But I could say, sounds like you're upset with me. Yes, you know, totally. I mean, that might be really just acknowledging, you know, saying the, you know, the elephant in the room there. If they're, yeah. in, if they're true, true. And it, it's all about being mindful in that moment, right? So mm-hmm. you want to come from a good place, from a place of compassion. I can say the same in negotiation. 
sounds like you're upset. Or am I upsetting you? If, I, mm. if you are upset, I'm sorry. That was not my intent. So this is a language of communication. This is a language of building win-win, whatever we want to call that. Mm -hmm. But that creating value for both sides. What I'm telling you, Hunter, if I talk to you like that, even if I say it sounds like you're upset with me, it's very respectful. But it also tells you that I'm here and I'm here and I'll see you and I hear you. And sometimes our kids, that's what they want to hear, right? I mm -hmm. see you're, you're, you're having a challenge to keep control of your emotion. I see that you're angry at your sister. I see that it's okay. We have a hard time in North America to acknowledge emotion because it feels like, oh, if somebody says you're angry, no, I'm not. I'm going to denial because there's no room. There's no space to explore that, right? And when in negotiation, somebody's in denial, I, I can challenge that. And I, I can just, I'm just trying to understand. That's what I'm going to share that. I'm trying to understand your perspective so I can give you a proposal that makes sense to you. And very few negotiators have that ability to be in the moment. And for me, it's about going off script and just be there in that moment. In my language, I call it dancing with the, the other side. So whatever the rhythm, I'm trying to match the rhythm, not on the bullying side of it, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to dance with them. I don't, you know, I'm preparing. I'm fully prepared. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, I dance with the other side. And so it's I a go, balance between preparation and then flexibility and really being present. Then you're talking about really mindfully listening. You're observing, you know, the body language, the listening to the tone. You're listening for what's being said. You're listening for what's being not said. And you're really, you, then you're, sounds like there's some guessing as to like, okay, so this is kind of what I'm seeing, right? Or just be curious. You know, yeah, I, I'm just, just verbalizing. Not even saying it, maybe just being curious. It mm. sounds like you're like that. It's not a, It's not. You know, threatening, um, and it's a good preparation allow you to go off script. What people mm. don't do, they don't prepare, and they have a hard time to go off script because now they're all scared, scattered, and you know, nervous. But when somebody comes and say. I don't want to talk to X because I'm afraid they're going to react this way. Now in our mind, we're planning to have a, com a difficult conversation. But ultimately, under a, a difficult conversation, it's because we make it difficult. We plan to have the other side to yell at us. We are not looking forward to tell our kids, we're not going to Disney World this summer. <gasps> we make it a, a tough conversation because of us but when we are emotional we cannot be present and if we're not present we're missing a lot of subtleties we're missing a lot of uh, uh, depth in the conversation because we just take for face value what we see and that's a challenge it's so interesting and it, it makes me think about sort of the conversations we have with our kids and how these the the things you're describing really being present mindfully listening knowing what 
knowing ahead of time what your intentions are and what your needs are, right? Like, and, and thinking ahead of time about what the other's intentions and needs are, um, but then really being present. I think a lot of the, and then what the way you describe dancing with your, the person, I mean, that really, to me, that really resonates with what we talk about in what I call win-win problem solving in, in mindful parenting, which is this idea of like, when we're in this conversation, you know, our goal is to, we know our needs, we want to know what our kids' needs are. And then the conversation is a dance. We're meeting them where they are. If there's, mm -hmm. if we encounter some upsetness and resistance, it's, it's to like say, to see that, to hear that, to understand it and to kind of go back and forth with it. And it strikes me also that these things can be practiced with things that are not so hard or not so difficult, right? Like we can negotiate positive problems, like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where are we going to go on vacation? And, yeah. um, and what are we going to do this weekend and different things like that. And we can, and those can be ways where we practice it, where the, it feels not so loaded and heavy emotionally. Do you, do you advocate for that? That kind of like positive practice? Yeah. Positive practice, mindfulness. Absolutely. Um, we talk to our kid in mostly negative terms. Don't do this or this, or why are you upset? The challenge, and you know, I, I had no clue when I was a young dad, the way we teach our kids is going to help them or not manage their life mm. when they are adults. So if we never welcome our kids to be emotional, they will have a hard time to express themselves right where do we go for vacation i want to go this okay great so now this is your position your sister might have a different position i have a different view dad might have a different view how do we resolve a conflict and if we do that the right way maybe our kid will be upset in a moment but it's a great teaching everybody has the right to say what they want to say and it's a conflict it's not a bad conflict. It's a fun conflict. So now we go to this trip this year. Next year, we'll go to Disneyland or, or, or whatever. I think that perspective is helping our kids to be better prepared to live their life. Because life, it's not easy. Life, it's full of deception. Life, it's full of people that are, are not you know, wired the same way. Um, we want a promotion because we feel we deserve it. No, it doesn't work like that, right? Uh, people don't always see us for the value we bring to the table. Our kids, I think they're not prepared for that because as parents, we don't have those conversations with them, right? Yeah, like they need this practice, right? Like it's, it's not bad to negotiate with your kids and ask them about their needs and explain what your needs are and hold boundaries yeah. around your needs because... They got to practice this stuff somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to adapt the conversation to the level of where the kids mm -hmm. are, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if I say to my kid, I don't want you to go to cross the street running, I need to explain why. Yeah. It's a safety issue. And I want you to be safe because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Now the kids can say, well, it doesn't matter. There's no car on my street. I understand. But one day, there might be one car. You might not hear it because it's an electric, electric car. You need to develop your muscle of being safe. 
So your concern, Hunter, is being safe. The kid's concern is, I want to go to the park as soon as possible. I, I'm with you. That's not negotiable. But that doesn't mean that we have to tell them what to do without explaining, right? So mm -hmm. really, mindfulness parenting is about listening to the other person as they were adults. Mm -hmm. And express ourselves like they were adults. And now from there, so this is a conflict. It's okay, you can, you can express yourself. Um, and I'm not going to be upset. Now we need to make a decision. And if we tell our kid, don't do this, and now we come like, well, there are some consequences to your, your acting or your, you, don't, you don't listen or you do things that we didn't agree, that's a consequence. And negotiating with our kids doesn't mean that we have to bend backward to give them everything they want. No, yeah. but it's to, it's to have a conversation like they are little adults. And in their world, they have a different perspective, right? So at a certain age, kids or babies are saying, no, 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 no. And no way you can have them say anything else than no, right? Uh, give grandma a hug because she gave you a Christmas gift. No, I don't want to give her a hug. Okay. But so those are steps in life. They don't want to be told what to do. We have to be able to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Listening even from that young age and respecting the, their words makes them more able to listen to you. Ultimately, I think Gaetan, this is, a, you mentioned that your kids are adults and I'm curious about your, this has been fascinating. I mean, I think this is so, so helpful, but I'm curious about your own story. You said you came to this later in your, in your career, what brought you to mindfulness and, and how has it, how has it shown up or blossomed in your life? I mean, obviously in your negotiation, but. That's a great question. Um, first of all, when I was at school, I, my career was based on helping people. So that always been present for me, helping people. I went to healthcare. I wanted to help people. And after that, I, I'm a hard worker and I got promotion after promotion after promotion. And honestly, some days I was like, this is never going to end. It's mm -hmm. never enough, right? And it's, it's more and more and more, more money, you know, better suits, car, house, name it. More responsibility. <laughs> more responsibilities. And, you know, I was working all the time, at, you know, 100 hours per week. And I got one day my dream job, VP Global Sale. My dream job, I thought, because in reality, I hated that job. There was so much politics and behind the scene decision, and I, I didn't enjoy it. So at one point, I was working with an executive coach, and we really have a lot of conversation about, why do you do that? Well, because you don't understand. It's my image. Da, da, da. Yes. Okay. What else? And she brought me to a personal growth group with mindfulness. So I've done my own work for 10 years and five before I started to write that book. And at the same time, I started my, the work on myself. I became a negotiation consultant. 
So I observe people every day. I negotiate, I watch, I give feedback. And we do training at a company where I work. But every year, every time I was observing people, it's like there's missing something here. People are going straight to their limit because they're afraid and they're happy. I'm like, wow, we give so much money. We left so much money on the table. What's going on? And at one point, after I started to do work on myself, it came up, came up to me and say, we're not dealing with emotion. People are afraid in negotiation. People are stressed. People are nervous. And they're making the wrong decision because they just want to get rid of that negotiation. They just want to move to the next step. And one morning, it came out to me, the idea of writing a book to help people. Not to become a better negotiator. That's part of it, yes. But helping them to understand why do they behave the way they behave today. Mm-hmm. And I chose negotiation because obviously I, I kind of bring an expertise in that field. But as I wrote the book, I realized that mindfulness can be applicable to so many things in life, right? Parenting, giving feedback, or deciding to go to the gym, starting a new diet. It's all over the place. And I just, just came up with that idea of writing a book as my purpose, uh, just helping people. What does your own mindfulness practice look like? Uh, it varies. Yeah, it's not, and I, I'm not a monk. I don't mind being mindful six hours a day. Um, I can tell you that when I meditate, I have a better clarity in my head, right? Mm-hmm. If I don't meditate, I have a tendency to go more in my ego. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness for me, it's not like I'm sitting in the morning. It's more every day, every minute. When I teach negotiation, if I'm not mindful, maybe I'm pushing too much because I want you to go home with some learning. That's my ego, right? But as a teacher, if I'm offering you stuff, that's it. That's my role. So sometimes my mindfulness practice is uh, just to be aware in that moment. Am I pushing? You know, do I want to look good? Do I love, do I want to look credible? So. Yes, it's a, it's a morning practice, I journal, but it's also every minute. And knowing the trigger, I think that's, that's part of it. Understanding what could be my trigger and why is that? It's every day. Has all this work you've done improved your relationships with your children who are now older? Um, yes and no. I think... Uh, they, they always be my kids, right? But now I can have conversation with them about them being in their ego, right? So at one point, um, my son's girlfriend says, oh, my aunt just died and I have to go to the funeral. But I never saw her. I don't want to go. And I just said, why do, you, why do you want to go? And she said, well, because my mom wants me to go. And I said, what if, if you don't go, what would happen? And that was a big shift for her because she felt she has no choice. Hmm. And I said, okay, so you don't want to go because you don't have a relationship with that aunt? Don't go. Well, you don't understand. Okay, so why don't I understand? My mom is not going to love me anymore. 
I'm pretty sure she's going to still love you. Yes, that's really true. But I, what I just did, Hunter, is that's the kind of conversation I can have with my kids about their life, you know, helping them. None of my kids have kids, so eventually that will be another layer. But it's not about me and them. It's about me being in a different uh, relationship with them in terms of not pushing back on what they're doing or judging them or telling them it's wrong or you should do my way. No, it's more inviting them to see what if, if you do this, hmm. you know, my son was afraid to say no to do overtime on Saturday because he was afraid that his boss will be upset. I said, you don't want to work with we on weekends because you want to be with your, your girlfriend. There's nothing wrong with that. And if your boss is not capable of receiving that, I think you might need to change job or you know, do some search because this is your need. You need to respect yourself. That was not easy for him to say that. And when he said it to his boss, I bet he was shaking inside. <laughs> but the, the result was his boss says, okay, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I respect your position. And thank you for sharing that. So now we went from two situations where fear was in control and really helping them to unlock at their own rhythm. What if you express yourself? What's, what's, what's happening? What's the worst case? And that's how mindfulness can help us to unlock the, 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 the tightness of emotions on, on our behavior. Gitan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come and talk to us today at the Mindful Mama podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. Um, Gitan's book is Mindful Negotiation with the EGO in negotiation. Um, where can people find out more about what you're doing? Uh, well, I have a website. It's called navigatesgroup.com. And my methodology explained, we can look at different perspectives. It's not only on negotiation. And the book is available at any bookstore. Um, and if people want to have a signed personalized copy, they can order a book through my website as well. So cool. Well, thank you so much. And I, I wish you a lovely afternoon, Gaetan, in, uh, in lovely Connecticut. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. You know, if you loved it, do me a favor, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at Mindful Mama Mentor. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this Mindful Mama community. It's such a joy to do these episodes and my team and I, you know, there's a whole group of people that help bring these episodes out to you. We've got our sound editor, Sam, and we've got Emma, and we've got Yvonne, and Lynn, and Chelsea, and all these people and their families, they all work hard to bring these episodes to you. So we all love doing it. I'm so glad. I feel so honored that you choose this podcast to, to listen to. And if you love it, of course share it and all those things but but really just know that i'm appreciating your ears and i'm so glad to connect with you and i wish you a beautiful week i wish you connection and peace 
and joy and ease. And I will talk to you again soon next week. Thanks so much. Namaste. say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for community people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com.